Aloha. If you'll remain standing, we're going to be looking at Psalms chapter 33 today. Uh, a couple of parts of that. So we'll start in verses 1 and, uh, through 9, and we'll jump towards the end of the chapter. So if you'll uh, find that in your Bibles and read along with me. Psalm 33. It says, Shout for the joy in the Lord, O you righteous. Praise befits the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. Make melody to him with the harp of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. For the word of the Lord is upright, and all of his work is done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth all their host. He gathers the waters of the sea as a heap. He puts the deeps in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. In verse 18, Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love, that he may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart is glad in him, because we trust in his holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us, even as we hope in you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we pause now and we consider your words, like the psalmist, Lord, we shout for joy in you. Lord, we we thank you and we sing praises to you. Father, as we look deeper into your word and find the truths, Lord, that you would have for us today as we apply them in our lives, Lord, I pray that you would guide me, Lord, that, that I might decrease, that you might increase, Lord, that uh, the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart may be pleasing and acceptable unto you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Please have a seat. Well, what I'm going to try to do today, um, actually, this was a little bit of a, of a challenging passage. I was thinking, uh, just as uh, Leo and Toby were praying with me before service, I was like, man, I, I really needed, to, <laughs> needed some prayer. So uh, as you guys are listening, I don't know who here this is for. I really don't. I, there, there, I tried to switch it up uh, two or three times, and I just felt like God wanted me to, to speak this, uh, so hopefully it's uh, somebody uh, is blessed by it. If not, uh, you'll get some nice facts and things that you can use, uh, hopefully. Um, but I'm going to try to focus today on a few things. One, how great our God is. In the world that we live in today, as you guys know, uh, it, it's, it's a crazy world, and sometimes we forget to focus on how great our God is. And I want to take a little bit of time today to really look at that in a little bit more depth. I'm also going to look at how we're expected to think about his steadfast love, his unfailing love, his unwavering love, and then, of course, how we're designed to glorify God in our lives. So I want to start off with asking a question. Uh, a lot of folks here, you guys have been on the island, hopefully, for a little while. How many of you guys have been to the summit of Mount Achaia? A few of you, so and, and others of you know that that's the big mountain uh, up there. It's a big tall one. It's actually the tallest mountain on, uh, on the island here, uh, 13,796 feet above sea level. 
um, the, the summit is so high that you're advised to stop and uh, there's a visitor center about 9,200 feet up that you're supposed to stop and acclimate for about 30 to 45 minutes before you uh, go up to the summit. And of course, anybody that's been here knows that it's very different up there. It's cold up there. Um, how many of you guys have gone up there in the evening and you thought, if I only had another three or four jackets, uh, it gets cold. I was looking up, I didn't realize how cold it gets. It, actually, the average uh, low there, 12 months of the year, is always below freezing. Right now, this is the warmest month, so it gets up to about 50 degrees during the daytime, and it gets down to about 31 at night uh, regularly. They've actually had regular uh, record temperatures, I think, in the low teens there, um, not in single digits, I don't think, but they've had it 12, 15 degrees. On this island, that's cold, um, colder than I'm uh, comfortable with. But um, I remember when I went, if, and if you know much about there's there's 13 massive telescopes up there at the observatories, and that altitude um, of the of the mountain, the location that we are here in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, it makes Mauna Kea one of the best locations for what they call ground-based astronomy. And the, ocean, uh, the location there, because you got dark skies, so you don't have the light, uh, um, uh, what's the word, um, pollution, light pollution there. And you, you basically have the water vapors. There's not a lot of water vapor there in the atmosphere. It's clean air, good weather. In other words, you have some awesome views of the stars. And I know I had a chance to, when I was up there at the visitor station, they have a lot of little telescopes you can look at. Had the opportunity, I remember seeing Jupiter and Neptune and Saturn. I even saw some of those distinct bands of color uh, around those. So I'll, I'll be honest with you, for me, I'm always amazed by the stars and astronomy. I was listening to a message, and actually part of what I'm going to be sharing with you today, I actually stole from uh, Louis Giglio. Uh, he was doing a, uh, a message about, uh, I think, five or six years ago, maybe a little bit longer, and he was speaking at a Chris Tomlin concert, talking about how great our God is. And I learned some pretty amazing things, and I, I thought I'd share those with you just to let you see how awesome and how great our God is. Um, and so I'm going to share some, some facts here. Uh, it's going to be a little scientific, so those of you who aren't there, I'll try to translate a little bit as we go through there. First, I'm going to look at the, the star in our own system, our own solar system, the sun. Um, the sun, it's 93 million miles away. Uh, now, when you walk outside, it seems a little closer, I'm guessing, right? Um, think about that. 93 million miles away is the sun. And the light that comes from that sun traveling at the speed of light, it takes about eight minutes for that light to get to us. That's the, the length. Now, what you got to look at is light travels fast. And God opened his mouth and he said, let there be light. Now, light travels about 186,000 miles per second. Um, in God's terms, we can't even fathom uh, things. We have to talk about light years. And when we think about things, think about a light year is the time it takes light, how far light goes in a year. Now, if light's traveling at 186,000 miles per second, I'll do the math for you. In a year, it travels 5.88 miles. So when you're talking about a light year, you're talking about almost 6 trillion miles. It's a little bit further than Hilo. Uh, it's, it's out there. 
That's a long ways off, right? So when you look at the sun, the sun, by the way, is a million times the size of earth. So you think about earth and how big we are. Psalm 33, 6 says, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Their starry host by the breath of his mouth. If the earth, if you think about the size of the earth and how big it is, if you were to try to put, fill up the sun with earth, it would take 960,000 earths. To like I said, when you think about the sun and the size that it is, think about this next star, Betelgeuse or Betelgeuse. Um, not the movie. Y'all might have watched the movie Betelgeuse. This is a star. This star is 427 million light years away. That, by the way, is more than 2,000 trillion miles. It boggles your mind to think this is the God we're talking about who created this. By the way, it's twice the size of, and you're thinking I'm going to say sun. Actually, no, it's twice the size of the sun's Earth, I mean, of the Earth's orbit around the sun. That's how big this, this star is twice the size of Earth's orbit around the sun. Huge. You can fit 262 trillion Earths inside Betelgeuse. Big, 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 right? I'm from uh, New Orleans, uh, down in Louisiana. We go, we, we go to the Superdome down there. He said if you put, a, if the Earth was a golf ball and you put the, wanted to fill up the Superdome with golf balls, it would take 3,000 times. It could fill up the, the Superdome 3,000 times. That's how big Betelgeuse is. It's not the biggest, by the way. There's Musefi. Musefi is, it's, uh, it can fit 2.7 quadrillion Earths inside the star. Um, anybody know what a quadrillion is? Uh, it's bigger than our national debt. Um, quadrillion, right? Think about it this way. We know, you guys know a million, right? There's a thousand million and a billion, a thousand billion and a trillion. We still haven't got to our, our federal debt yet. A thousand billion and a trillion. And there's a thousand trillion and a quadrillion. Uh, I like thinking about that in terms of how much we're talking about. There's 2.7 quadrillion Earths inside of this. Um, there's a bigger star than that. It's called Canis Majoris. Uh, aptly named the Big Dog Star is what it's called. Uh, it's three times the size of Musefi. If you were to, if the, if the Earth was a golf ball, Canis Majoris would be the height of Mount Everest, which is about six miles above sea level. That's how big difference we're talking about. Here's the thing: God breathed all of that into existence. He breathed it in. The starry host by the breath of His mouth. It started in Genesis chapter one. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Psalm thirty-three. As we look at this, it's, it's interesting because just a few verses later in verse 18, says the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love. This God who breathed out stars, billions of stars into the universe that go out beyond what we can even fathom in distance and space. Hopefully you can get a sense of just how great our God is. We're but a tiny vapor, frail but we're marked by majesty and created by the God of all creation. I want to consider it also from another angle. Now, we've looked at it through a, through a telescope, and as far as our telescopes can reach uh, out into space, and we see how vast his, his uh, creation is. I want you to think for a second about in the very beginning how you got created. 
one cell from your mom, one cell from your dad, carrying 23 chromosomes. Now, we're not going to go any deeper than that. We'll just say that that's how it, how it happens. Um, half of the chromosomes from your mom, half of your mom's DNA and half of your dad's DNA, they merge into one cell. And that cell forms a new DNA code. Each of us has a code that, that, that's made up. Now, you're going to find this interesting because we have people in the world right now trying to be God. And when you, th- when you hear this, you're thinking, well, no wonder it's impossible. That, that DNA code that we have has three billion character description who God ordained you to be. Now, imagine if you had to have a password that's three, three billion characters, right? That's long. Think about this for a second. If you were to type onto paper the sequence of your DNA, 3,000 letters per page, it would fill 1 million pages of text. That's your description, individual description of your DNA. Think about it this way. Okay, if I tried to to just give you one character per second, I was going to read the DNA code, one character per second, it would take me 96 years to read my description. How great is our God? Three billion character code, character description of us, individual. And by the way, each one of you is uniquely made, right? That one cell, that's just one cell, sets out to build the model that God designed in order to become 75 trillion cells that make up our body. It's interesting, St. Augustine, who was one of the church fathers, he says this way. He says, people travel to wonder at the height of mountains, at huge waves of the sea, at the long courses of rivers, at the vast compass of the ocean, at the circular motion of the stars, and they pass by themselves without wondering. The psalmist said in in Psalm 139, he says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down, you know when I rise up. You understand my thoughts from afar. You scrutinize my path and my lying down and are intimately acquainted with all my ways. The psalmist goes on further in that uh, chapter and he says, For you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you. For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. Folks, we're fearfully and wonderfully made. Romans 1 verse 20 makes it clear that we can know, through, uh, we can know God through what he has made. Paul said it this way. He said, for ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. Through everything God made... They can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, so they have no excuse for not knowing God. When you think about this God who breathed out the stars by the millions, calls them each by name, can't help but stop for a minute and think and reflect on the breath of God. It says in verse 6, by the breath of his mouth, by the, word, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their host. Do you ever think about your breathing? And when you sat down, you probably sat down and said, okay, now I'm breathing about 12 to 15 times per minute. I mean, sure, that's probably the first thing you thought about, right? How many of you guys know that you breathe about 21,000 breaths a day? Now, don't, don't some of you hold your breath for a minute and change it up, mess up the numbers, but it's about 21,000 breaths. Uh, most of us, on average, breathe about twelve 
to 15 breaths a minute. With all that we have to do every day, who actually thinks about your breathing? In Hawaii, there's a word that's used. It's a universal Hawaiian word called aloha. And it, it means hello, goodbye. It also means love and affection. has so many meanings. The literal meaning of aloha is the presence of breath or the breath of life. It comes from alo meaning presence, front, and face, and ha meaning breath. Aloha is a way of living, and it's a way of treating each other with love and respect. Hopefully, visitors come here and they see that. I know for us, we had some friends that are here with us, Randy and Robin. I asked Randy. Randy was going to preach today, but he said he's on vacation, so he's just going to observe. But um, they were talking to us about that they saw that aloha spirit here with a lot of the friendliness that's just there. And now it's not everywhere. We ran to one place where there wasn't a ton of aloha spirit, but that's not everywhere. In most of the places you see that. Um, it's a way of it's the way that that's there. So have you ever thought about your breath from a spiritual perspective? Um, there's a shepherd named Moses. You might be aware of him. He lived in the land of Midian, and God appeared to him speaking through a burning bush. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Now Moses has been walking this land for about forty years. The ground didn't just change. It's just that Moses became aware of it. God has heard the cry of his people, and he wants to send Moses to rescue them. So Moses says, when I go to these people and say to them, God wants to liberate them, they're going to say to me, what's this God's name? And of course, Moses, uh, so Moses says, God, you know, what's, what's your name? And God responds, Moses, you tell them the Lord sent you. Now, this name, Lord, if you read it in the English translation, is spelled capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. It, it appears in the Bible about 6,000 times. If that's not by chance. When you read your, your Bible, you'll see sometimes Lord with all caps and sometimes capital L and, and small and lowercase O-R-D. The, the capital L-O-R-D, all caps, it, was, uh, it wasn't originally written in the English language. It was written in the Hebrew language. In the Hebrew, the name is essentially four letters. Uh, you would say Y-H-V-H. But in Hebrew, it's pronounced yod heh va heh Now, some pronounce that name Yahweh. Although in many traditions, the name's not even pronounced because it's too sacred uh, of a word to use. It's too mysterious. It's too holy. The book of Genesis says that when God created the first person, God took his, this dust from the ground and God shaped it and formed it. And then God breathed into it and it became a living being. If you look at Genesis 2, uh, chapter 2, verse 7, then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. Now, the Hebrew word for ground is the word Adama, and the first person we know is named Adam, coming from the ground. And there's this paradox at the heart of what it is to be a human being. We're fragile. We're vulnerable. We come from dust. It says in Ecclesiastes, all people come from dust. It's written in the Psalms, all people come from dust, and then they die and return to the dust. 
It's written in the Psalms, each person's life is but a breath, even those who seem secure. You see, life is fragile. Your life is but a breath, and yet we were made by the creator of everything. In the Bible, the word for breath is the same word as the word for spirit. In the Hebrew language, it's the word ruah. In the Greek language, it's the word pneuma. And the meaning in Hebrew of the Hebrew word ruah is breath or wind or spirit. And when you tie that with one of the names of God, ruah refers to the Holy Spirit. For example, ruah Elohim is mentioned in the first few verses of Genesis when it talks about the Spirit of God hovering over the waters in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. In the Old Testament, uh, the translated phrase is always Spirit of the Lord or Spirit of God. In the New Testament, the Greek word pneuma is applied and translated Holy Spirit. So when we talk about breath here, we're talking about this in terms of the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of God. God gives breath, ruah, to all living things. Numbers chapter 27. When God created Adam, he breathed into Adam's nostrils and man became a living creature, Genesis 2-7. It was the same spirit, by the way, that came to rest on Jesus Christ in the form of a dove, empowering and anointing him as the Messiah in Matthew chapter 3, verse 16. One scripture says that when God takes away the Ruah, this breath of all living creatures, then they die, return to the dust. But when God sends the Ruah, the spirit, they're created. Breath, spirit, same word. The first Christians, they took it further. You and I use this language today. They believe the spirit of God, as we do, actually resides, dwells, lives in a person. Romans chapter 8, Paul talks about this. When he talks about the pneuma, the spirit, it says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to you through his spirit who dwells in you. So the Spirit of God sanctifies us. You know, this this word sanctify means to cleanse, to purify, to make holy. And what it means is that when you let God in, when you breathe, what happens is you become aware of the things that you need to leave behind. God gives us this, and we have to let go of things in our lives. So if you were to be totally honest about what's going on inside of you right now, Is there anything that you need to do right now to breathe out? Anything that you need to breathe out? So a lot of times in my counseling, I'm working with clients. I'll tell them and encourage them to breathe out the toxic things in their lives. A lot of things that are are hindering them, to breathe it out, to let go of those things that are are negative, that are are hindering them. And then to breathe in uh, the spirit, to let the Lord God come in and take that space. Uh, If you look at that, what's bothering you? What's stressing you? What's the thing that you need to breathe out? Jesus said that the Spirit of God guides us. Is there something that the Spirit of God is needing to guide us in? In other words, John chapter 3, verse 34, that God gives the Spirit without limit. Is there anything right now that you need to breathe in? In other words, what are the positive things, the things of the Holy Spirit that give you life? Jesus said God is Spirit. If you're a Christ follower, the Spirit of God is in you. You are on holy ground. So how are we expected to think with, with the things that we've, we're looking at here? In verses 20 and 21 of Psalm 33, it says, Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart is glad in him. 
because we trust in his holy name. Paul said it this way in Romans chapter 12. He says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. I like what the new, how the New Living Translation says it. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn how to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Change in your life. We look at this and we think to ourselves, what are we to do? To change in your life requires new thinking. The battle to change the defects in your life is always a mental battle. It starts in the mind and it's won or lost there. Ephesians 4.23, we've been in, in, gone through Ephesians pretty thoroughly. Verse 23 says, let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. You're not going to change until your thoughts and attitudes change. And this is why daily quiet time is so important. The time that you spend intentionally studying God's word, the time that you spend in prayer, that's spiritual renewal of your mind. If you're not doing that, you're not going to have the power to change. Do you, you know what the theological term for change of mind is? It's the word repentance. The, to repent literally means to change your mind. The word repent is actually a Greek word, metanoia, which means to change your mind, to turn from death to life, from sin to forgiveness, from guilt to peace of mind, from hell to heaven, from my way to God's way. The most positive change in your life will be when you repent of your sin and you turn uh, from regret to the peace of mind and forgiveness. You have to change the way you think. Philippians 2.5 says it this way. says you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. God wants you to learn to think like Jesus. So how do you do that? Again, it's a choice. You got to make a choice and say, Lord, how would Jesus think about this? The more you fill your mind with the word of God, the easier that's going to be. Proverbs 23.7, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. What we think determines who we are. Who we are determines what we do. We can change the way we think. The major premise here is that I can't control my thoughts. A lot of times you think, I can't do that, I can't do that. Uh, Paul gives us a, 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 that, how to do that in Philippians as well in chapter 4. We can control our thoughts. My feelings come from my thoughts. So I can control my feelings by controlling my thoughts. If you're willing to change your thinking, you can change your feelings. If you change your feelings, you can change your actions. And changing your actions based on good thinking can change your life. So what's all this mean for us is God's creation. He makes us. He shows us how awesome he is. He looks at us, and he gives us guidance. And one of the things he says in verse 8 of Psalm 33 says, Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. How one of the key things that we have as believers of God is to glorify God. We're to be a reflection of God. One of the most important ways that we glorify God is by imitation. Imitation of the attributes of God, that is. Now, Ken, I mentioned earlier, the world now is trying to find ways to imitate, replace, substitute for God. We're even seeing it in things like DNA. We've got people now 
I don't even know how to fill out a form anymore. Uh, it used to just be male, female. Now there's about eight or ten. I don't even know how many choices they have anymore. I, I you know, lost track whether. Uh, you even have do not prefer to answer. Uh, not sure why, but I guess I just, I'm, I'm confused. I don't know what to do. Uh, it's pretty clear. God made it for us. He showed us how it's done. He's given us that. This, this imitation that we're supposed to have is to the attributes of who he is. He created us so that we would imitate him. And so that we could, that he could look at us and see something of his wonderful attributes reflected in us. To be in God's image is to be like God and to represent God on earth. We're a reflection of his excellence. So after God created Adam and Eve, God saw everything he had made, and behold, it was very good. He looked at his creation, he took delight in it, and especially in, the, in, the, uh, in us, in human beings, made in his image. This is why Paul commands us in Ephesians again, 5.1, be imitators of God as beloved children. So the first thing we want to do And our aspect of relationship is based on our relationship with God. If you're born again, saved, Christ followers, accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, uh, then you've been restored. You're image bearers now of God. We'll have a longing to have that manifest presence of God in every part of our being. Right thinking means that we must become intentional about mirroring God's image in all that we do. As your thoughts reflect God's thoughts, not only will you glorify God, but you'll also increase your influence on those that you love. You will become a much brighter light. When this happens, the world is instantly changed because those who reflect his glory impact the world. Psalm 33, verses 20 through 22 say, Our soul waits for the Lord. He's our help and our shield. For our heart is glad in him, because we trust his holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us, even as we hope in you. Isaiah wrote it this way in in chapter 40, one of my favorite verses, uh, sections. He says in verse 29 through 31, he says, Have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak, strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired, and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord, another version, those who wait on the Lord, another version, those who hope in the Lord, will find new strength. They'll soar with wings like eagles. They'll they'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not be faint. Paul wrote it this way in Romans chapter 5. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained every access by faith into this grace into which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that our suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see how the word is woven. We've looked from Genesis. We're looking all the way through Scripture. We see just how God has woven his word in a way for us to see how how he operates. 
I was listening to some worship songs this week, and um, uh, several of them brought attention to this. And, and one particular one, uh, Mercy Me, has a song called uh, Say I Won't. Is anybody familiar with that song? Uh, a few of you. Uh, there's. Let me just share a couple of lines from that song. If you haven't heard it, it's fantastic. There's a great video with that um, of just how that plays out. Uh, it's very touching. He says, I'm going to know what it means to live and not just be alive. The world's going to hear because I'm going to shout. And I'll be dancing when circumstances drown the music out. Not enough is what I've been told, but it must be a lie because the spirit inside me says I'm so much more. Another song by Cain called Rise Up, about Lazarus. Come on and rise up, take a breath, you're alive now. Can't you hear the voice of Jesus calling us out from the grave like Lazarus? The question here for us, are you dead or alive? Is he your help and your shield? Is your heart glad in him? Do you trust in his holy name? Do you have a hope in his steadfast love? Do you need the spirit of the Lord to breathe life into you? If you haven't made that decision to trust in the Lord, you can invite him today to be your savior. If you, like many here, have received that gift of salvation, you can put into practice what you've heard today. And as the psalmist wrote, you can shout for joy in the Lord. You can give thanks to the Lord. You can sing to him a new song. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us, even as we hope in you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you. God, we thank you because you are such an awesome God. God, you've created the universe, stars that we can't even count, billions of stars uh, beyond what we can even uh, see. And Lord, you've even designed us with such an intricate nature, Lord, uh, from the tiniest cell uh, to create these beings that are individual, each one of us fearfully and wonderfully made. God, we, we thank you. We sing praises to you. We, we can't believe, Lord, who you are, and God, that you love us in such a way, Lord, that you have imparted upon us your Holy Spirit, that you invite us, Lord, into an intimate relationship with you, Lord, that you made a way through Jesus Christ for us to be able to come to you, that, that uh, apart from him, we could do nothing, but Lord, we thank you because that sacrifice that was made makes a way for us uh, to come into your presence makes a way for us, Lord, uh, to seek you. It makes a way for us, Lord, to follow you. And Lord, as we do, I pray, Father, that each one here, uh, wherever they are in their lives, Lord, whether it be a person who has never really made that decision, Lord, don't let them walk out today without making that important decision. Or if someone, Lord, today is, is not yet uh, made you Lord of their life, help them, Lord, to be able to take that step to go beyond just salvation, but to go to a place where they become a reflection, where they become a beacon of light to others. The light that you have shined to us, Lord, may we shine to the world around us. God, we give you glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen.